Hello, and welcome to A New Human Story. I'm speaking with young changemakers who are creating a better world for people and planet. I'm so excited today to be speaking with Katie Matthews. Katie is the founder of the Mind Tribe UK, which provides mental health and well-being training around the world. She is a recipient of Northern Ireland's Top 40 Under 40 and nominated, I love this, Most Loved Activity Leader in Scotland and Northern <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> Katie is on a mission to accelerate the world's transition to happiness, fulfillment, kindness, and mindfulness. That's just amazing. I love it. Katie, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you today, Sonia. Thank you. And it's nice to have somebody on the show that's uh, from so far away from such a different part of the world. So what's it like up there right now? Raining, um, <laughs> just for a change. Well, you can probably tell from Max and I'm from England, but I live in Northern Ireland and I've been over here for about 10 years, coming on 10 years now. So yeah, we're just going back into another full six week lockdown, but I've been shielding from March anyway. So I'm basically nearly a year indoors. So <laughs> I might be a bit crackers by the end of it. <laughs> I think we all might be, so <laughs> not good. <laughs> but so, Katie, tell us a little bit about yourself, about you know how you grew up and uh, what led you to become a change maker. You're doing such incredible work with young people specifically. So what led to that? Thank you very much. So, yes, I'm 28 at the moment. And as I said, I've lived in Northern Ireland for 10 years. And before I moved to Northern Ireland, obviously I was living in England and my parents had split up when I was 17. So I decided to, you know, stay there for an extra year to help my mom and look after my brother and things like that and working and stuff. And it was during that time where I kind of saw like the support that is so vital for young people. So I know I haven't gotten started at the beginning there, but it's just because you mentioned the young people part, that's sort of where it stems from for me. A lot of sort of mental illness basically started at that point. And that was sort of a real changing moment in my life was when I was 17. But prior to that, I'd been super happy, absolutely loved school. <laughs> I'm one of the strange people that really, really likes studying and likes doing exams and likes revising. And I enjoy the whole process of learning things. So I was always really involved in school and would have been, you know, in all the sports teams, captain in the teams and playing music, being in the choir, playing the guitar. So I was just very, very interested in everything. <laughs> you know, I just always wanted to excel at whatever it was that I did. And I've always kind of been like that. I was introduced to a term. I don't know if you've heard of this. I was only introduced to it there a few weeks ago. Somebody called me and I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> I was like, I hope that's not an insult. <laughs> So I went on and checked. It was, have you heard it? It's multi-potentialite. I've never heard of that. No, multi I've only... Multi-potentialite. Multi-potentialite. Yeah, well, that's great. what I thought was really interesting. So when I looked it up, it said that it's basically somebody who pursues and excels in like multiple areas or like multiple disciplines and um, has, you know, broad interests and things like that. And I was like, that literally describes how I am. Like, I don't feel like I want to be put into a box and like, defined by one thing you know I like having varied interests I like having the, my fingers in different pies as we say over here <laughs> yeah I suppose that's a little bit that's probably enough for now because I'm a talker so <laughs> that's great. as a young person I may mean, think that that's so important when you're young to be exploring different areas and being able to like that's how you start to find your passion right and you found your passion through your personal experiences or through seeing young people it's kind of both to be honest because as I say when I got to 17 that's when things kind of took a bit of a turn that's when my parents split up that's when I got diagnosed with depression 
And that's when I started to find it really hard at school. I still did very well and things, but it was a struggle, you know, balancing everything. And you don't really know what you're going through. You know, you just think, oh, is it just because I'm a teenager? And you feel weird, basically. You know, you think, God, everyone else seems to be getting on fine. And, you know, I've got all this piling on my shoulders and I can't see a way out of it. And that was it sort of hit me like this is the support that we would need. And that's when, you know, obviously when I'm working with young people now, I try to be that person that I needed at the time. And my mom, I have to say, is like absolutely fantastic. I totally like just adore her. She's my role model. But obviously there's only so much that another person can give, even whether it's your own child, when you're going through so much yourself. Mm -hmm. Because obviously it's going to have a big effect on her. And she was still looking after me and my brother. She was still trying to work with everything else that was going on, you know. So it was kind of seeing things from a different perspective and it almost like made me mature in my outlook as well I think I started to think about the different types of support that people would need and also the fact that there was probably support that I needed but didn't either know how to access it or wasn't able to access it right so there was things like counseling at college but I remember only going to two sessions and I hated it I absolutely hated it it was because obviously I hadn't formed that bond with the counsellor first you know they were kind of pushing me a bit too hard Mm -hmm. and it actually took until it was last year so that's what nine ten years yeah about nine years down the line that I finally was able to go through counselling that actually worked then Mm -hmm. um, and that had a real tangible impact so my goodness me sorry I go off on a tangent don't I (laughs) I just want to tell you my whole life story like I think it's so helpful because that's what makes the Mind Tribe, I think, so amazing and unique is that you've built it and created it from and all the things that you do to help young people and and everyone struggling with anxiety and and other issues is that you've built it from your own experience. And so and from knowing what works and what doesn't and what you might need in that circumstance. And you're still pretty close to it being still pretty young and being able to connect to some of those challenges. I know young people are really, really struggling with those issues right now with anxiety, with stress, with being overwhelmed by life. And so tell us about the Mind Tribe. Like, how do you help people going through those issues? So we do a variety of things. I run training courses and workshops. So I would have sessions for parents where they can come and learn to support their children. Um, Sessions for educators. So where they can come and look at um, embedding a growth mindset in their space or their setting. We look at mindfulness. We look at support and positive mental health with children. We have courses dedicated for teenagers. We run a community support group, which I'll be starting again in the new year because things, as you probably well know have been a bit nuts this year Um, but we used to have them in person so we're hoping to move those um, online again for the new year so it's a community uh, peer support group in the area that I live just for people you know that are struggling with either anxiety and or depression because I would have obviously you know the diagnosis for both I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder when I was 22 so I've been dealing with that for, I'll say dealing with that, living with that for <laughs> for about six years. And that's sort of what, it's a mixed bag, basically. Anxiety is a funny one because it drives you in one sense. So it's the thing that makes you, it can make you keep going and wanting to put in effort and work hard. But at the same time, it's almost underpinned by this strand of like perfectionism, where it's like, I can't stop until it's perfect. So therefore I'm not done. And it's trying to 
marry that up within yourself and then how you marry that up with professional experience as well you know all the things that you're going through individually and then how you're able to collate that and express it in a way that matches with the professional side as well then if that makes sense yeah and in healthy ways right and we all have skills and talents that we can contribute but how can we express those in healthy ways that are meaningful and also serve our greatest good because I've learned as well from experience I mean I've driven myself to very unhealthy sick ways in my past and Mm -hmm. I've learned from that that you know you have to just be okay with what you can do and Mm -hmm. um, not strive to always do everything perfect and it's okay sometimes just to let it go (laughs) yeah no exactly and that's it and that's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned is that it's okay to say do you know what it's not perfect and you know I don't know the answer to that and I do need help with this for example like a few years ago a couple of years ago now I went through bankruptcy which is, you know, obviously quite young, 26, (laughs) to go through it. And people, you know, even now, other entrepreneurs and things, you know, would come and say to me, God, why do you talk so openly about that? You know, you're so open about things. And I'm like, because somebody has to be. Like, (laughs) we have to show that it's not normal as such. I hate that word, but it's not the desired goal. It's not the thing we want to happen. But if it has happened, we can say, well, look, that doesn't define who I am. I need to use that as a learning experience. How can I deconstruct that? How can I take the learning from that to help me to move on and to help me to have that post-traumatic growth, essentially? You know, and I think that's really, really important. And that's been one of the biggest, biggest things that I've learned is, you know, looking at growth mindset and looking at resilience and working on myself. And it sounds so cliche to say that, you know, to be like, I had to work on me first, but but it's true, (laughs) you know. Yeah, so it goes along with your T-shirt, right? Self-love. I mean, ultimately, yeah, even on an airplane, they say put your oxygen mask on first before helping others, right? You're no service to anyone if you're not okay within yourself first. So it's about starting within yourself and then being able to build up all that capacity to share it with everyone else. And that's where your light really makes a big impact. So that's amazing. So that's really the growth mindset. So you're really focusing on the growth and where people can go from these experiences and what they can learn. Mm -hmm. That's it. And I think it's really important, you know, to act as a role model for people to show that just because you have been through something that was traumatic or just because you've been through negative experiences or things have happened that are beyond your control, it doesn't mean that you can't take your power back. You know, just because you had it taken away from you, perhaps, or as I mentioned about the anxiety that started after I was assaulted at university. And again, that's something else that people go, God, you know, should you be really sharing that as a business person? And I say, yes, that's even more reason why I should share it, Hmm. because it shows that we're normal people. You know, business can seem and entrepreneurship as well can seem so far removed, so detached from normal people's lives. You know, the everyday person maybe doesn't think entrepreneurship is for them or doesn't think that what they're doing on a daily basis actually makes a difference. But you're saying, yes, it does. That's what I believe in. You know, you can take your power back and you're able to then, you know, light up the people around you mm-hmm. where you've been able to go through that healing process. And I'm still on that journey. You know, I still have my diagnosis of anxiety and depression. It doesn't go away. But as I say, you know, I think it's important for people that are in positions where, you know, they may have platforms like this where they can speak about things. I just think they should because... We're giving people a different perspective and showing that you're not strange. 
you're not weird, <laughs> you're not nuts, you know, is all these <laughs> words and negative stigma that surrounds it, unfortunately. You know, you can still live a fantastically fulfilled and thriving and happy life. You just have to learn to do things differently. So what are some tools then? I mean, what's your daily practice? Do you have a mindfulness practice? What are some tools that people maybe can do every day that are small things to maybe manage or to overcome their anxiety at some level? I do a few different things. So every day I make sure I do some sort of mindfulness practice, whether it's breathing exercises or whether it's, I like this one about control where you draw an inner circle and an outer circle. It's a real simple one. And on the inside circle, you're putting all the things that you can control. So, you know, your thoughts, your actions, what you eat, what you wear, all of the things that you have power over. And then that outer layer is all the things that you can't control. So, for example, the pandemic, and it allows you to kind of compartmentalize it a bit and rationalize it a bit and look at all the things that you do have control and power over. So that's one I particularly like if I'm feeling quite overwhelmed in my head and I think, oh, things are starting to spin out here. That's a really good one for me. And also, I really like doing grounding exercises. Mm -hmm. So, So, yeah, definitely. It just makes you feel more centered and more connected and back in the room, (laughs) you know, back in your own body again. (laughs) So that's the five, four, three, two, one. You may know it already. You know, it's like the five things you can see four things you can hear, three things you can touch, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste. It doesn't have to be that way around. It's just the five senses. But it's just to bring you back into the present moment. And that's one I always do if I feel as if I'm going to have a panic attack. So if I feel it starting, I'll do that one and then lay down and do some sort of diaphragmic breathing just to bring me back down, basically. But something I like to do sort of either every week. I try and do it every day, but life gets in the way. (laughs) Um, every week is to try and do some sort of journaling you know whether it's like gratitude journaling or I just bought well obviously you know Michelle Obama (laughs) who doesn't know Michelle Obama I just bought her journal there of becoming of her Mm. book so I'm just working through that at the moment and it's proven really interesting it's nice to have time just to like reflect you know yeah I think that's really important and I love the five senses one that's amazing that is so important that's really getting back into your body and also being able to experience things on a multidimensional level, right? Which is really important to be able to actually feel. And and even especially when you're out in nature, like how amazing would that be? That would just be like grounding at a whole new level. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, that's what one of the courses that I do, one of the activities, I say to the parents, take a mindful woodland walk. Mm -hmm. So they'll go for a walk in the woods or the forest, or, you know, you can do it anywhere, to be honest. And they'll do that. They'll look for what can they see? What colors can they notice? What can they hear? What can they smell? And they say that the kids really, really love it because they're fully immersed in the experience then. Yeah, that's a great one. That's really, really important. I think that would help a lot of people, even just doing that every day or once a week alone, you know, that would make a huge difference. And I like what you said about taking the time to just go introspective a little bit and carve out a little bit of time to just be with yourself. And I think we don't do that Mm -hmm. enough. And we're always distracted by everything that's going on in our world and being entertained by different sources. And that doesn't give us a time to just be with ourselves and to take a diagnosis of where we're at and how we're feeling and what's going on in our heads and in our bodies. And so there's journaling. I mean, other things you do for self-nurture, self-care. Yeah. um, A lot of the time when people hear self-care, they think it's all about taking yourself to the spa and getting a massage and it's all bubble baths and candles, you know. But for me, my self-care is taking my medication every day. Mm. I have to do that. Otherwise, 
I know about it. I can feel it in myself if I haven't taken it. As I say, some sort of mindfulness practice, speaking to somebody that day, whether it's my mom, whether it's just, well, I say just, bless him, my fiance. <laughs> I say just because he lives with me. Um, <laughs> or a friend or a relative or just talking to someone. It doesn't have to be on the phone, even just through, you know, Messenger or WhatsApp or anything, just so that you're connecting with people. It keeps your head in the right place, I think, because a lot of the time with anxiety as well, there's the element of like paranoia where you think people don't like you <laughs> basically you just you always think you've done something wrong or you feel guilty so yeah just keeping in touch as well can kind of keep those thoughts at bay as well which is great and then also I have three dogs um wow. <laughs> yeah they're three little crazies so <laughs> and yeah princess TJ and Ellie and I take them out for walks and we might go to the forest with them um or even just sitting and playing with them um, stroking them that's got that real calm and soothing effect mm. um so yeah that's what I like to do every day but I can't really do a lot else at the moment to be honest because I've been indoors since March as I say so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great and I think that that's important for people to realize that you don't have to go somewhere to do it I mean sometimes I will just literally sit on a cushion on my floor in my room and just sit and breathe for a few minutes to be like okay where are things at with me like a check-in you know I mean you can yeah. do anything you can go for a walk you could it's really something that anyone can do anytime so it's always within reach and I love that I love that yeah. you define what that is because it doesn't have to be something so fancy right no that's it and that's to say you know sorry this is a train going past my house um <laughs> um, real worlds everybody <laughs> literally it's like ugh. I think listening to your body as well, you know, and like a couple of days ago, my body was just like, nope, <laughs> you need to rest today. You know, you need to take it off. And if I hadn't have done that, obviously where I've got an autoimmune condition and that means that I would get flare ups where I'm in a lot of pain and sometimes I like, can't move and can't walk properly and sometimes can't breathe properly, depending <laughs> on how bad it is. So for me, it's really, really important that I do take care of myself and I do make those little things or take those little steps, should I say, you know, to look after myself. Because at the end of the day, I'm like, no one's going to do it for you. No. You and know, the even though it, if you could build is with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's the hardest exactly. thing. Sure. <laughs> That's it. I was like, well, I can't get away from me. So I may as well make <laughs> friends with me, you know? <laughs> exactly right <laughs> kind of amazing it's yeah it's an interesting one so what's in store for the mind tribe and some of your programming in the next year what would you like to start doing oh wow I've got a few things on in the pipeline <laughs> um I always have a few things in the pipeline so the mind tribe I've got some new courses there's a lot of work being done around trauma and making sure people are trauma informed because a lot of the time people won't necessarily understand why somebody's having maybe a certain reaction to something or they've maybe been triggered by something and they don't know what it is and they're not necessarily understanding that it's a trauma response you know it's something that they basically can't control so there's a lot of work being done around that at the moment and then also I'm doing a lot of work around like attachment at the moment and how it impacts as they get older and develop basically and I've devised a whole range, a new range of programs for parents for supporting teenagers, especially off the back of the pandemic. I know a lot of them are struggling, like a lot of my students would be finding it hard 
find it difficult to cope with school and the pressure of it and the stress and the worry and still having exams and you know it's just crazy what is going on at the moment so yeah I'm really trying to boost the provision you know the things that we are doing at the moment and as I say we're hopefully starting the community peer support group back up again which will be great really really looking forward to that and then doing a little bit more around corporate and workplace well-being as well from the new year so there's a few exciting contracts and things coming up very interesting that's exciting I think now's the time right I mean people need it now more than ever and even after this pandemic I mean we're entering into the age of healing I think ultimately as a humanity you know we have individually lots to heal and lots to heal Mm -hmm. collectively so you know I think this is only the beginning of it and it's great I mean we're just going to start to reconnect with ourselves and with each other on different levels and start to take off those layers right yeah no that's it and that's what um a couple of weeks ago I did this training on community resilience Mm -hmm. and how you can heal trauma within communities because where I live in Northern Ireland you know is obviously a very polarized place in terms of religion and you know although there has been a lot of progress made there is still a lot of work that needs to be done over here in terms of peace and reconciliation. So I think that we've got a lot of work to do, but I think we can definitely get there, you know, in terms of healing, as you say, as individuals, but also then that community and that sort of tribal healing as well, you know. Absolutely. That's where we're all all headed. It's it's going to be a fascinating journey. So what is your vision for a new human story? I mean, we're all working towards healing ourselves and each other and the world and rebuilding our relationships all around. And so what does that look like? I mean, we're all moving to that. And I think it's just fascinating to start to co-create a new vision for what it is that this world looks like once well on our way to getting there, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) my vision of a world is just a list of like all the things that I want to happen (laughs) there's quite a lot I would love 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 um you know (laughs) okay so I'm like now I have to think so (laughs) obviously you know we want to break the stigma around mental health and mental illness we want to have the correct provisions sufficient treatment and healing and opportunities um and spaces and safe spaces you know for discussions and there's so much that can be done around mental health and mental illness so that's a whole big project on its own with lots of sub tiers <laughs> um, but that would be great you know if we could get people to a place where we're not experiencing certain issues anymore but obviously we know the nature of humanity that's what makes us human is the fact that we can think on all those levels and we do have our idiosyncrasies and all of that there but I do think there's a lot of healing as we already said you know that can be done I would absolutely love to have no poverty no child hunger I can't cope with that it makes me so sad and I think we don't realize sometimes just how lucky we are like we can just go to the tap and get water and that doesn't seem like a big deal we can pop to Tesco or other shops we can get, <laughs> we can pop to down the road in our car and we don't even think about these things we just take them for granted we've almost got this mentality of like well we should have that it's like this entitlement all the time and I think you know it's something that we could solve now and this is why I get frustrated because <laughs> I'm like there's so many resources that we have in this world if we're able to get people off the planet 
and we're able to get people into space, then I'm pretty sure we're able to feed everyone on the planet. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a disparity between what we actually put as priority in society. And you're like, I think all of that's fascinating. But at the same time, if you pitch that to me against children living in poverty and they can't feed themselves, that's going to win for me. I think giving people those life opportunities and those chances, but if they haven't even got the basic needs being met, how are they ever going to reach that self-actualization? You know, how are they going to be able to actually move out of that and accelerate? And it's going to be really really difficult and there's a lot of barriers in the way then you know and when people are going oh it's all about grades and you know in the education system they need to get this and they need to get A's and everything you think but you've got kids there that haven't even had breakfast how are you expecting them to excel you know how are you expecting them to rationalize how are you expecting them to regulate how are you expecting them to memorize all these different things and navigate being a teenager and navigate school and navigate friendships and they haven't got their basic needs met they may not be washed they may not have food in their tummies they may be cold they may be dreading going home that's yeah. just something I'm like I just want to solve all the problems you know <laughs> you can co-create you know that's the whole idea and I think that more and more people maybe before weren't prioritizing these issues but um you know, I agree with you 100%. We need to have as a basic minimum, everybody, you know, food, water, shelter, these things are a basic that are non negotiable exactly. It should not be something that, you know, just like the air we breathe, it needs to be something that is just available for everybody. And, exactly. and that is the starting off place, right? <laughs> and I think yeah. from there, then and then we can get creative with other things. But I agree, there has to be a, a vision that includes the basic bare minimum for everybody. And then we build from there. And I think we now have an opportunity to start to see things in a different light, because as these systems come apart and show themselves for what they are, we can start to really assess where we're at, you know? And no, I think, I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of social change off the back of the pandemic. And I think there's going to be a lot of political change, cultural change. I think there's just change. (laughs) A lot of change is coming. (laughs) But that's why a lot of anxieties are surfacing at the moment, because there is so much change happening. It's happening so quickly. And people as a whole, as a species, don't like change. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is really intense for the whole world. You know, the whole population is having similar worries and similar concerns and similar anxieties. We've all got family, you know, that we don't want to get sick. But we don't necessarily all have businesses, but we're all contributing to the economy in a certain way. We've got kids in schools. We've, there's just so much for people to be dealing with at the moment. And I think it's going to spark even further change, basically. And I want to be part of that change. (laughs) Well, that's it. And it's the young generation that's going to lead in that change because, you know, it's the young people who just inherently think a different way, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, like you said, for you, it's non-negotiable to just have food, basic necessities for every person and child on the planet. I mean, these are basic inherent rights. And yet, for some reason, it has to be a discussion and it shouldn't even be one. So I agree. And I think that it's interesting when people talk about change. You know, when you look at nature, uh, mm-hmm. nature doesn't resist change. It acknowledges the old that no longer serves and it allows it to let go and release yep. in order for the new to come up. And we see it with the seasons changing and with birth and decay and death. And it's just a cycle of life. And I think that there is really great things coming. 
obviously things are tough before they get better. But the more we can start to vision what we want to create, the more autonomy and sovereignty we have over what that looks like, right? So, you know, I think it's important to keep on sending those messages. And and I love what you're standing for, Katie. And I think it's amazing the work you're doing. And I encourage everyone to get out there and check out the Mind Tribe and all this amazing work that Katie's doing. If you're struggling at all, I'm sure, you know, she's got tons of resources there. Check it out. And I'm sure it will help you even getting through whatever everyone's struggling with right now. It comes from a heart-centered place. And I think that as long as we can be there for each other, we're going to make it through this. So thank you, Katie, for all your amazing work. Do you want to share with everyone where they can find you and how they can find the resources of the Mind Tribe? Yeah, no problem at all. So social media is either mind underscore tribe, um, that's on Twitter, and the others are the Mind Tribe UK just. And if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, it's Katie Matthews XL. Website is www.themindtribeuk.com. Um, and on my profile, that's where it's got all the different things and organizations and all that that I'm involved with. So if anybody wants to connect or talk about anything, you know, to do with whether it's entrepreneurship or mental health or community development, youth support, <laughs> anything like that, <laughs> um, pop an email my way or pop me a message. And even if you just think, oh, I'm going through something similar and um, I want to ask a question, please do. You can probably tell that I love to talk. So... <laughs> I'm always more than happy to speak to people (laughs) and, you know, pass on any resources or anything um, that I would have that could possibly help. So thank you, Sonia, as well, for the opportunity to speak today. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. And thank you, Katie. You're such a bright, positive light in all of this. And it's just really appreciated. So thank you for shining your light and for helping all the people that you help and continuing to do great work. So I encourage everyone to get out there and check out what Katie's doing. It's incredible stuff. 